Please turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and then uh, we're going to be in chapter 2. And then if you could place mark Jeremiah chapter 9 also, that would be awesome. So the title of this morning's message is The Way of the Lord, The Way of the Lord. So opening question this morning, is the church perfect? What do you guys think? (laughs) Armando laughs. What do you guys think? The letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthians, right, that we've been studying, we see that there are major issues in this church, right? And for those of you guys that have read through First and Second Corinthians, you see that, does it get better or worse? Wow, heavy. We see that there are major issues in the church, divisions, quarreling, fighting, and God has just really put on my heart this morning as Pastor Richie was talking about prayer, as Pastor Armando was talking about prayer, that we too need to be praying for the church as a big C. What's really funny is I was talking to one of our high school kids. His name's Tarku T. I don't think he's in here. I think he's in the high school room. Um, I talked to him this week. Oh, there he is. He's in the back. Yeah, uh, playing hooky with, with uh, Sebastian's message. I was talking to him this week, and he said, dude, I, I totally know what you're going to preach. You always start out with a story. You always, you know, you, you put in a, and he says, I always psychoanalyze like everyone's teaching. And it's funny, he's, it's funny we had that conversation because this week was totally different. So T, there you go. That's for you. So the way of the Lord, and I have four points for you guys this morning. Point number one, consider your calling. Point number two, in Christ I have. Point number three, my boast Point number four, a faith that rests in Him. And we see this exhortation, this encouragement, this letter from the Apostle Paul to the church of Corinth addressing some very serious issues, right? Division, fighting, quarreling. Is that God's heart for His church? Absolutely not. And in this church of Corinth, what we see are these believers are choosing to follow and associate with their favorite leaders, the people that they, that they want to follow. I follow Peter, I follow uh, Apollos, I follow Christ, I follow Paul, when they really should be following Jesus Christ. And what they are doing, like Pastor Armando said last week, is this high value of wisdom that they had in their culture, they're bringing it into the church. Attributes, of these men, they, they favored probably because one was a gifted speaker, maybe because one was, had more vibrant personality. And we're going to see, even in 2 Corinthians, that they even judged or had favoritism based off of one's physical stature. The problems that the Corinthian church had in human relationships with, with each other were directly related to the relationship that they had with their God. In their carnality, in their flesh, they were looking to other things. The pursuit of wisdom, the masters of rhetoric, being able to ornately and beautifully and masterfully say or speak these arts of wisdom from their mouths, we can see what they truly valued, what they identified with. They chose to follow what their culture valued most, this whole pursuit of wisdom, and they brought it into the church. And Pastor Armando preached last week that 
the only thing that truly matters is us focusing on Jesus Christ, and that will bring the division to a halt. Because when we as a church focus on Christ, preaching Christ crucified, that is what unifies us. Then we will understand wisdom, the power of God, and unification in Him. So, church this morning, Calvary Fallbrook. What was happening at Corinth during this time, does this apply today? It does. Do Christians follow this pastor over another pastor, this leader over another other leader, and idolize a specific person? Does that happen, yes or no? Yeah. But what happens when that person that you idolize behind the pulpit makes a mistake? Does that happen? We've heard the news. Pastors that we love, that we adore, that many people have idolized. I've done it too. They fall. Okay. How many of you guys are on Friends of Fallbrook? <laughs> A little bit. Weird question. I love Friends of Fallbrook. I love Friends of Fallbrook. It really, it kind of gives us like a, a scope of what's going on in the culture of our town and what the people are kind of asking and looking for. And what I see a lot in the Friends of Fallbrook is, I'm new to this town of Fallbrook. I'm looking for a what? A church. Can any of you guys provide some recommendations? And then I love stalking this post. Like, I love it. Because then it's like rapid fire. It's like, bam, bam, bam. You can see like the people that have the pride in their church and where they go and their church family and their, their home. And what are, what are some, some churches in Fallbrook? Give me one. North Coast, give me another one. Christ the King, give me another. Sunrise, give me another one. St. Peter's Riverview, give me another one. Calvary Chapel, can I get an amen? Let's go. And I love stalking this. I love stalking it. And you can see, and I, and I love it when our people, I love it, when they reply, Calvary Chapel, Fallbrook Servants Church. So cool. The pride in following our church. Hypothetical. Well, what, if, what if I replied with this? You ready? You need to come to Servants Church, Calvary Fallbrook, because we are simply better than all the other churches. <laughs> Whoa. Yikes. <laughs> you need to come to Calvary Chapel Fallbrook Servants Church because Alexa is the best children's ministry, children's ministry director. Because Pastor Armando is the best speaker in Fallbrook. Because Pastor Richie is the most gifted worship pastor. Because Pastor Walter has the most amazing Spanish ministry. And that pastor fills and we'll just end right there. And what if I said this on this Facebook post in Friends of Fallbrook? You need to come to Calvary Chapel Fallbrook just simply because we are better than all the other churches. And if you disagree, I'll fight you about it. Whoa. Did that grieve your spirit? The church of Corinth. That was happening. They were fighting. They were quarreling. They were, there was division And my Riverview, Zion, Christ the King, Sunrise, St. Peter's, guess what? We're all on the same team. Can I get an amen? amen? We are all fighting 
rightly dividing God's word, preaching the gospel to save the broken and lost souls in this beautiful town. We are on the same team. And I love watching my son play baseball, t-ball, just started. So I'm going to try and give you guys some very important names. Murphy Murray, Luke Duke, that one gets confusing. They look alike too. Theo Thrace, Van Howie, and Noah Sabordo. Which one do you think I cheer for? Noah? All of them. Why? I, come on, I set that one up for you guys. We're all on the same team. We're all on the same team. And you guys, we as a church need to be praying for the church like we just prayed on our knees, Big C. We're living in a climate right now where we cannot have division. We cannot have factions. We cannot have these disagreements where we're fighting. We need to make sure that we continue to keep Christ the focus of who we are and what we preach. When we drop the ball, see what I did there? When we strike out, it's when we are doing what the church of Corinth did. And the church of Corinth, they looked to the outside, they looked to the outside world, they looked to, to wisdom, to the culture, and what they tried to do is they tried to blend what this, this pursuit of wisdom, and they tried to bring it in God's house. Can we make that mistake, church? Yeah. And what we see here, this exhortation and this encouragement from the Apostle Paul, is he's saying, listen, Church of Corinth, Calvary Chapel, Fallbrook, I have a higher calling for you as Christ followers. We need to live and walk differently. Do not gratify the desires of the flesh, but walk according to the power of the Holy Spirit. So, as Pastor Armando preached last week, we see the, the address to Paul. He talks about the, the Jews and the Greeks, the, the, to the Gentiles also. He talks about the stumbling block and the folly. And then there's a shift in verse 26. Point number one, consider your calling. So if you can, please follow with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. For consider your calling, consider your calling, point one. Brothers, not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Consider your calling. You guys, tell me who Rahab was. Who was she? She was a prostitute. God chose those not of noble birth. Who was Moses? What did Moses do before he was called? He was a what? Murderer, but he took care of the what? Bah! He was a sheep. He was a shepherd. He was a sheep. He was a shepherd. God chose the lowly. God chose the lowly. Were the, lo were the shepherds looked upon as lowly people in society during that time? Absolutely they were. Who was Peter? He was a fisherman. God chose the foolish. 
Who was Levi? He was a tax collector. God chose to despise. Did they like the tax collectors? They were thieves, robbing from the people. Who was the one that brought the fish and the loaves to feed the 5,000? Just a boy. God chose the weak. Who does God choose? And in this beautiful message of the gospel, of what we preach and what we believe, the core and the essence of who we are as a church, I want you to fix your eyes on something, the cross. Right now, fix your eyes on the cross. Look at that cross, and what do you see? Weakness, being despised, humiliation, the body, the blood, and the nails. God chose the foolish things to confound the wise. God chose the cross as a means to set me and you free. God chose the cross and he gave his son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting what? Life. And we see in the shift in this letter And Pastor Armando asked us this question last week. He asked us this question, if if we were to take a look at America and what we valued and what we identified as, and many times what we idolized as a country and as a nation, what was it? Our freedom. American freedom. And you know what? Even in the day and age that we're living right now, it could be a whole list of things, can't it? Because we as a nation, man, we have, we've truly like lost our way. I'm going to take it a little bit deeper. If not Paul, like Paul wrote a letter to the Corinthians about some things that were going on in the Corinthian church. If God were to take a look at your heart and to take a look at the things that you focus on and God were to write you a letter, what would he say your your fixation, your focus would be? What is it that you focus on? What is it that you value? What do you find your identity in? Let's talk about spiritual warfare. Let's talk about Satan. Let's talk about the tactics of the enemy. He is the prince and the power of the what? The air, Ephesians 2.2. 2. He is the ruler of this what? World, John chapter 12, verse 31. And we need to be praying for our youth because as we read in, verse, in verses 26 through 29, you can see that it is so easy without Christ. You can hear this, the enemy just whispering, you are not wise, you are not powerful, you're not of noble birth, you are foolish, you are full of shame, you are weak, you are low and detested, you are nothing and you will never be what? Loved and enough. Have you guys ever heard those whispers from the enemy in your own ears? We're praying for this next generation because no matter how much they strive, no matter how much they work, even if they attain these things, it's not going to satisfy the desires of our heart. Which transitions me into my second point. In Christ, I have 
in Christ I have. So let's look at verse 28 and then we'll read it through 30. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God and because of him you are in who? Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. You see, when we are in Christ, we don't lack. When we are in Christ, we have wisdom. When we are in Christ, we have righteousness. When we are in Christ, we are sanctified. And more importantly, when we are in Christ, we are redeemed. Wisdom, truth in Christ, being able to walk uprightly with Him, righteousness in our own efforts. There is nothing that we could do to be right with God, to have this right relationship with Him. And it's not about what we do for Him, but what Christ has already done for us. Sanctification, being set apart, walking with Christ daily, being untainted from the the sins and the stains of this world. Redemption found in Jesus. He has delivered us from our sins, from bondage, from slavery, from death. Like Pastor Armando preached last week, he has set us free from ourselves. And to take it a step further, he has cured and saved our souls. Please turn in your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 9 as we read verses 23 and 24. Next point, point number three, is my boast. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, let not the mighty man boast in his might, let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Amen. Boast, to talk with excessive pride and self-satisfaction about one's achievements, possessions, or abilities. What are some of the things that people boast about in the world? What are some things? Success, possessions, materialism, what else? Themselves, sure, yeah. What else? Wealth, knowledge, power, all these things, right? Can't that happen in your own neighborhood? You guys ever have that person in your neighborhood? Do you guys, what is it? It's, it's called keeping up with the who? The Joneses. You guys have one of those neighbors? How many of you guys have ever had someone like that? Maybe not a neighbor or someone in your life where all they're doing is they're talking about them, the, their accolades, the, the things that they have, and they're always trying to one-up you, keeping up with the Joneses. Pride, me, my. And they can't even celebrate even some of your wins because they always just want to outdo you, keeping up with the Joneses. So we had a neighbor like that not too long ago. And man, you know that it's really bad when they move and the whole neighborhood like celebrates them being gone. (laughs) Where it was pride. It was all about them. 
no one liked them. And they finally moved. It was like this, this sigh of relief. Boasting. My boast. And I have this beautiful, I am so grateful to be able to do what I get to do. I have this opportunity to boast about Jesus Christ Monday through Friday in our schools. To preach Jesus with kids and for them to just receive the Lord. And I just, I'm, man, I just love it. So I walked onto this one campus. I'm going to give you guys a story. I walked onto this campus, local campus, and guess who I see? These people that were boasting, it was a husband and wife, they did the same exact thing, and they they had a kid, and he was a senior in high school, Paloma Valley High School, and I walk into Paloma Valley High School to teach the word at Paloma Valley. Guess who's there? The kid. And then I, I go up to him like, dude, I had no idea you loved Jesus. I had no idea you, you knew the Lord. I had no idea you even came to this. I'm like, dude, I'm so excited to see you. And then he's like, oh, Phil's, I'm, I'm actually here just to make up a quiz. And I'm like, oh, dude, that's okay. Like, all right, cool. So I'm boasting about Jesus, you know, preaching God's word, preaching the gospel, the, the perfect sinless birth, lived the perfect sinless life, died the perfect sinless death to perfect the very imperfect people that we are because he loved us. The death on a cross. And then it's over and the bell rings and he comes up to me afterwards and he says, I have never heard anything like that before. And you could see in his eyes, you could feel it in his posture that he was hungry and thirsty for more. Boasting in Jesus Christ. It was different than what he knew at home. It was different than what he knows in the world. It was different from what his mom and dad taught him. It was not the world. And here's the thing. To to many, you, you think about the cross and you think about this gospel message. It's foolish. Death? The king, the savior, the Messiah? Really? It's simple. And yet for us, It's so beautiful and so profound. And for him, he was able to experience true wisdom, the power of God, Jesus Christ and Christ crucified. My question for us is, church this morning, do you boast? Do you brag? And more importantly, what is it that you boast about? When was the last time you boasted in Jesus Christ. Galatians chapter 6, verse 14, but far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Do you guys have people in your life that love Jesus and you could talk with them for hours and hours and hours just boasting in the Lord? God's miracles, God's wonders, the things that God are... Man, just this past week, God is on the move. Even in our, our church, it's, man, I, I heard things about the men's Bible study. I heard about the, the, men's, um, the men's dinner this past week. I heard about everything that was going on. Man, God is on the move. When was the last time you boasted to someone about Jesus Christ? Because God is doing something. 
my last point, if you guys could move with me to chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. That's a faith that rests in him. So the Apostle Paul, now he's laid this groundwork, and then in chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, he uses his own life his proclam- as he's proclaiming Christ crucified as an example to the church at Corinth. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And isn't it kind of ironic here that the Saul, who was, who was, who was the Saul of Tarsus? Who was he? Who was this guy? He was a persecutor, he was a Christian killer, what else? He was an enemy? He was a Pharisee. Thank you, Amanda, pastor's wife. She got all the right answers. Was Paul as a Pharisee a learned man? Absolutely. Studying, 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 knowing God's law, knowing God's word. And isn't it ironic that Saul of Tarsus could have ornately persuaded with his own skill, with his own craft of wisdom, his own learned, learned knowledge under the rabbi Gamaliel? Do you think that he could have done that? Sure. But a new man in Christ, Paul the Apostle, gave it straight and he gave it simply. No lofty speech, no fancy, plausible words. The power of God, Jesus Christ, and Christ crucified. It's beautiful, isn't it? And simple. And then in this, in this verse, you see, look, look at his condition. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and much trembling. And my speech and my message. And, and then look at this in verse 4. But in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. So what happened? There's fruit from what Paul said. Lives were changed from what Paul said and how he said it. It wasn't lofty speech. It was God using the weak and the lowly, the despised and the shame to confound the wise. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, how did these Corinthians view Paul? This is what they said. His letters are weighty and strong, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech of no account. Are you serious? The church of Corinth, yeah, his letters are really good, but look at the guy. He's got a gimp and he's short. And, and, and his speech, where are the words? Where are the lofty words? Did the church of Corinth miss it? They did. I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling, the trembling anxiety to perform a duty similar to a slave trying to perform a duty well to his master. And I was telling Pastor Armando, I, I get so nervous doing this doesn't matter if it's a five-minute devotion. And Pastor Mal, he's like, I still get nervous too. But I think it's a healthy fear of the Apostle Paul 
wanting to do what's excellent and right for his master. And Paul points out that there's this fruit that comes from his message, this, these changed lives. And, and to close in verse 5, so that, all of this, so that, no fancy words, no lofty wisdom, straight gospel, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of who? Of men, but in the power of God. And like I said earlier, we too, like the church, we can make those mistakes. We can have our favorites, our pastors and our teachers, based off of the jokes they tell, the entertainment they bring, the emotional high they make you feel, their personality, and even their physical appearance. But the truth is, just like the Apostle Paul, these messages can be tested. How? Power? change lives. Do these messages of the people that we follow, are they feelings? Are they just producing feelings or do they produce kingdom fruit? And we have to be very careful as a church from our perspective, from our wisdom, from our understanding because we too, like the church of Corinth, can miss it. What they valued in their leaders, stature, lofty, lofty words, they missed it. You guys remember that story of Samuel and choosing a king? Remember that? How God puts it on, on Samuel's heart to go to the house of Jesse, remember? He said, from that house you'll find a what? A king. And, and they looked and they, they saw Eliab and they looked at first at what his what? His stature. How he looked. Surely that's our king. Look at him. What did God say? No. Who's next in line? Abinadab. A bit of de- look, look at him. Look, 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 look. It was it him? No. Seven sons. Seven. Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not judge the things that man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord examines the heart. And what was that kid doing? Bah more sheep the despised the lowly the youngest one of them all he's in the field do they even call him by his own name that's who god uses guys and what paul is doing is saying hey church of corinth too much pride stay humble Walk in humility. Feed the Spirit. In closing, I asked our seminary professor, Professor Gary Brashears, home run hitter for the kingdom, amazing man of God. And last class, we were, man, we talked, how many hours were we talking about spiritual warfare? Four hours. Demons, spiritual battle, amazing stuff. It was so good. And then God puts it on my heart to ask Professor Gary Brashears this message. In this battle in this church, in the church that we are fighting, I asked him, Professor Gary, where do you see the church warring and fighting well? And he said, I see the church is doing a great job at building disciples together, and there's a great move and power of the Holy Spirit. Great things, right? Then I asked him the other question. 
Gary, where do you see the church failing in this war? And he said, we have idolized politics in the pulpit over the teaching of Christ crucified. We define the success of the church in the confidence of technology. We focus more on production value than production kingdom fruit. And we focus, we have a limited focus on building community within the church. Yikes. You guys, can we be like the church of Corinth? Yeah. We don't want to miss it. So we need to pray for the church. We need to focus on the power, the wisdom, and Jesus, Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And this past summer, we were able to go to a pastor's conference together, and it all talked about a gospel-centered culture in our church. And the thing is, when we as a church, when our focus is the cross, when we have this gospel-centered culture here, everything else will be affected positively for God's kingdom. Issues in the community, social issues, cultural issues, race issues, marriage issues, family issues, home issues, friendship, finances, everything will have its proper place if we focus on Jesus Christ, putting Him first. So, in closing, when I was in high school, I gave myself to the pursuit of the world, wisdom and academia and knowledge. Through school and academics, I believe that if I, could just, if I could just get more, if I could just work harder, if I could just accomplish this and win that, it'll be good. And I remember the day that it was announced. Phil Sabordo, student of the year, valedictorian of Temescal Canyon High School, 2006, over the PA. And then on graduation day, I had the medals and I had everything and I was feeling great. And then I went home, I went to sleep and then I woke up and I was like, what? Is that it? Is that it? And then I fast-tracked. I was like, well, maybe, maybe doing that through college, maybe doing that through career. And, and I just really wrestled in my heart. There has got to be more. And I really wrestled. And then my cousin invited me to this thing called the Harvest Crusade where I heard Jesus Christ, the power of God, and Christ crucified, and it changed my life for eternity. With all eyes closed, all heads bowed, here in Fallbrook, California, where are we, as we talk about these issues in the church, the Apostle Paul hit a, had a huge heart for reproof, for correction, so that the heart of the church could be in alignment with God's. May our hearts be the same. And like the Corinthian church, where are you at? Maybe you've received the gospel, but then your focus drifted. Maybe it was the power of the gospel, it was Christ crucified, but then maybe you added something to it. Maybe it was politics. Maybe it was something in the world. Maybe it was something you value. Maybe it was... Something in the end, like the church of Corinth, which caused a major disconnect with the one thing that matters most in your life, a gospel-centered focus. Question number two, have you considered your calling? Because you don't need to be the best. You don't need to be the richest. You don't need to be the wisest. 
You don't need to be the most affluent. God chooses the foolish and the weak to confound the wise. Now my question to you is, what is it that God's called you to do? What do you boast in to brag? Are we boasting in the things of this world? Or are we boasting in Jesus? His life, his death, his resurrection, the power of God, Jesus Christ, Christ crucified. And this week, I challenge us, all of us, to pray for the church, the church, the big church, that we don't miss it, that we, the church, we don't taint it, that we don't manipulate it to acquiesce to our current worldly culture, but that we stay steadfast and immovable to preach it the wisdom of Christ, the power of God, and our Savior crucified. Lord Jesus, we come before you today. We thank you, God, for your word. And we pray, Lord,